This is Rudy Rucker on September 2nd, 2010. I'm going to be reading a new story by Rudy Rucker and Bruce Sterling. The title of the story, Good Night Moon. They say the moon's gone missing, said Carlo Morse. He set another fabula on the checkered tablecloth at Schwartz's Deli. Jimmy Ganser examined the growing collection of dream nuggets. The fabulas were tightly patterned little pastel spheres, pockmarked and seamed, scattered across the tabletop like wads of gum. Nobody goes for space travel dreams anymore, said Ganser. I don't want to work on that. I don't mean the moon's supposed to be in our new fabule for Skaken Recurrent Nightmare, said Morse. I'm telling you that the moon has really gone missing. Reports from Shanghai say the moon faded from the sky a few hours ago, like a burnt-out firework. Everyone's waiting to see what happens when night hits Europe and the U.S. Ganser grunted. Moore suggested his augmented reality necktie, whose dots were in a steady state of undulation. That's got to mean something, don't you think? It's not even sunset yet in L.A., said Ganser carelessly. So what if there's no moon? Schwartz's Deli had fed generations of Hollywood creative talent. The gold-framed celebrity photos on the walls were clustered thick as goldfish scales. The joint's historic clientele included vaudeville hams, silent film divas, radio crooners, movie studio titans, TV soap stars, computer game moguls, and social networkers. The augmented reality mavens were memorialized by holographic busts on the ceiling. Business was in the air, but it was bypassing Morse and Ganser, especially Ganser. We've got our own problems, admitted Morse. With a practice gesture, Ganser formed a vortex in the deli's all-pervasive bosonic fluxon entertainment field. Then he plucked a lint-covered fabule from the pocket of his baggy sports pants. Check out my brand new giant paramecium here. Ganser's creation oozed from the everting seahorse valleys that gnarled the fabuled surface. Morse rotated the floating dream with his manicured fingertips admiring it. I can see every wiggly cilia. This dream is like realer than you, man. Ganser nodded in a superior craftsmanlike fashion. Yeah, the blank for this fabule uses high-end Chinese nano-goo. It's got more sensory affect than the human brain can parse. Morse smiled at his collaborator. Jimmy, you brought in the awesome once again. I knew that you could pull it off. I can't wait till Pressburg shows up to sample this. Ganser's plain face wrinkled with a sheepish grin of triumph. With a sweep of both his arms, he corralled the dozen other fabulous on the tabletop. Let me admit something to you, he said, stuffing the wrinkly spheres into a logo-bearing plastic storage tube. I haven't viewed all these episodes of Skaken Recurrent Nightmare. I did pick up on the basic gimmick, though. Bugs. Yeah, Skaken Recurrent Nightmare conveys a different, stark, raving insect terror every night. The haunting dream you can't escape. A little corny, though, huh? said Ganser. I scraped my skull down to the rind for these insects, said Morse, looking haggard and worn. They're festering in my unconsciousness right now. I can see bugs in the daylight sometimes. They're in my food. They're in my shower. Your praying mantis riff in the first episode was pretty classy, said Ganser, using his finger to scrape the last glob of cream cheese off his plate. Having the woman you love devouring your face bite by bite while you're mating, a primal riff like that one hits home. Kind of a turn-on, too. 
Can I level with you, said Morse? We haven't had another mega hit since that first episode of Skaken. Every night, half the human race falls asleep and boots up a total mental inferno. If this new episode doesn't strike big, and you are right to call on me, Ganser assured him. Jimmy, are you sure you're up for this job? I mean, Skaken isn't like our old indie scene. I'm working with sponsors. We're government licensed. We got global distribution. Speaking of global, should I try that Chinese ownerine, said Ganser. You gotta respect the rate at which those Chinese fabbers churn out the dream product. I use that stuff when I'm working, said Morse with a shrug. On ownerine, I can start work the instant I close my eyes. I lose a dream while I sleepwalk around my home office. But you do that anyway, Jimmy. You don't need ownerine. You can hardly tell dreaming from waking. People make too much of that distinction, shrugged Ganser. Reality is socially constructed. The moon isn't socially constructed, said Morse. Then why is it gone? The moon's still up there, Jimmy. The moon has got to exist in one form or another. The moon is a huge physical object. The moon is like half the size of a planet, even. The moon has gravity and tides. Ganser smiled indulgently and leaned back in his seat. I bet you think the dark side of the moon really existed before we took pictures of the dark side of the moon. Don't start on me with the dreamer head games, Jimmy. Pressburg is going to be here any minute. Bitch about the biz, talk about the pastrami, act normal, listen to his rap. Bobby Pressburg is easy if you let him talk. Under the scolding, Ganser shifted restlessly in his seat. The pro dream biz is all about relentless metal focus, he declared. He wiped his greasy hands on his stained football jersey. You know what our real problem is? Pressburg doesn't respect our craft. Pressburg thinks that us fabrics just idly slumber around, waiting for inspiration. He doesn't get it about us creatives. We plunge to the red-hot core of the psyche, and we seize the deeper reality. That's how I deliver unique material, like my giant flying paramecium. You're a good guy, said Morse with a short laugh. These days, any punk eight-year-old kid can dream up zombies and vampires. No wonder a pimp like Pressburg likes to peddle insect paranoia. Look, Pressburg is smarter than you know. The insect theme has been good for skaking recurrent nightmares. We're getting ads from insecticide manufacturers and exterminator services. Ganser pounded at the checkered tablecloth with his pudgy fist. Carlo, the truth is that guys like Pressburg have polluted dreamland, made it dull. You know why I'm dreaming about single-celled monsters now? Because Pressburg hasn't been there. Germs are special. They're real, but you can't see them. You've always been the go-to guy for lurking invisible menaces, Morris admitted. Deconstructing reality's physical subtext is the core of my art. Seeing the unseen, naming the unnameable, and dreaming the undreamable, that's what Mr. Jimmy Ganser is all about. Yeah, yeah, said Morse, fondling Ganser's new fabule. The dream recording had a knobby surface with clefts between the, lo between the knobs, and the knobs themselves were tight clusters of smaller knobs. I've been around the dance floor with you a few times. You're the ultimate old-school indie dreamer, Jimmy. You're the session man. You're the fixer. Yeah, okay, sure, Ganser admitted, mopping his, plate, mopping his plate with the last scrap of whole wheat bagel. I'm a cynical outsider artist, curiously endowed with an ability to slip reality's surly bonds. Morse looked up as the deli's door jangled aloud. 
The sun was low in the sky outside, gilding the dusty streets. A strikingly handsome pair of youngsters had slipped into the cafe, bribing their way past the gate man, a mocking, weather-beaten Ukrainian named Yakel. Look at those wannabes, said Morse. The kid with the pink tentacles growing out of his neck. And his girl's got a third eye in the middle of her forehead. They're here to flash their demos and beg for a deal. Ganser tugged at the elastic waist of his velour track pants. Ganser always wore sports gear, despite the fact that he never exercised and spent his creative working life soundly asleep. She's hot. Costume play sure has changed, hasn't it? We've gone from dorky hats to riding the basonic flux. Their aspiring, fa aspiring fabbers slipped into a nearby empty booth. The boy shoved the dirty plates and cups aside with a busy flurry of his pink tentacles. Whoa, Morse remarked. That's a pretty good augment, said Ganser, for a punk wannabe, moving real objects with his dreams. A ribbon-wear plug-in for the bosonic flux medium, said Morse, from China. Ganser glanced over his shoulder. Nice projected glow from the girlfriend's third eye. It's sweet to see two noobs yearning to get discovered around Schwartz's. Pressburg would eat those kids like pink elephant cotton candy, said Morse. That reminds me, said Ganser, if your boss man's picking up our supper tab, we should order something pricey. We just had supper, man. You went through that lox and bagel like a horde of locusts. Oh, come on. That bagel wasn't supper. That was just a new nutritional restorative to sharpen my oneric brain chemistry. Morse lifted his elegant hand and signaled for Maya, their favorite Schwartz's waitress. The deli was slowly filling up with the early evening crowd. They put dreams on cereal boxes now, Morse muttered, straightening his tailored sleeves. Dreams are on bubblegum cards. Remember when our users had to load dreams off a server the size of a beer keg? And the low fidelity? Hell, I look back at my old works now, way back in the 2040s, and they're like crazy bum finger paintings made with coffee and ketchup. I don't like to hear you dismiss your best work, said Ganser. Those lo-fi dreams that used to bash out, they had a bright, childlike gusto. I mean, sure, they bombed in the marketplace, but in those days, there was nothing like a dream marketplace. It's all the work of Hollywood hustlers, Morris griped. The lame stream media for the mundane sheeple. Sure, we always knew we were selling our souls, but how come we couldn't get better residuals? Because we were artists once, Ganser pointed out. We've matured into hard-ass, bosonic pros. We're like full-tackle rugby players by now, Carly. We got a scrum. Scrum, scrum, scrum. That's such a great mantra, man. Scrum. My unconscious creative mind finds that word really evocative. Oh, hi, Maya. What do you got for us in the way of appetizers? I'm starving. Maya, the waitress, struck a pose at the table and twitched her fingers. Gleaming images of diner chow sprang into life, bright as neon in midair. We got you some nice kosher spring rolls, Mr. Ganser, filled with tilapia liver. Could you sprinkle on a little brewer's yeast and bring me a big ginseng root beer? Not a problem, said Maya, steadily chewing her dream gum. And how about some unicorn bacon for you, Mr. Morse? Is it real unicorn bacon? Real as unicorn bacon can get. Morse nodded. Maya dismissed the menu images with a flip of her wrist and sashayed off. Morse leaned forward, cracking his knuckles. How exactly do I frame your episode for Pressburg? 
just in case he actually asks. The dreamer turns into a paramecium, said Ganser. It's the classic dream transformation riff. We should keep it sharp and simple. <laughs> Morse narrowed his eyes with a critical stare. Does our average dream consumer really want to be a paramecium? Is this like the fulfillment of an unconscious urge, an urge to become single-celled? It's one of those classic dream situations where the central figure is beset by demonic mishaps, Ganser explained. Let's call our lead Franz Kafka. Skaken recurrent nightmare can use the class. But how exactly is Franz turning into a paramecium? I mean, I can totally get it about transforming into your spirit animal, like a vampire bat or a werewolf or a cockroach. But a paramecium? Is that even scary? It's cellular, Ganser explained. What's cellular? All of it, said Ganser. Everything is cellular. Reality is cellular. I really love that word cellular. Cellular phone, cellular phone, sleeper cell, cellulite, cellular automata. A cell can be anything. For a solid week, I wore augment goggles with a live feed from the microscopic world. I saw cells floating around in mixed reality, 24-7. Morse thought this over. You got a lot of time on your hands since the divorce. Last night, when I created this fabulous, I chanted cellular to myself before I fell asleep. Just a simple creative trick, but I know how to get into a working groove. Morse nodded. I used wool blankets for bed sheets when I was fabbing about the lice with the Black Plague. Sure, I had to sleep alone, but great dreams can only come from creative suffering. Great dreams come from spiritual suffering. The fabulous artist is like St. Anthony, all alone in the desert, tempted by demons. Weird, chimerical beasts, naked, demonic chicks, eggs with legs. Yeah, man, we're both like saintly hermits, if only people knew, said Ganser, wobbling his head in sympathy. Those snot-fop critics say that dream fabbing is a cheap fad. Well, dreams get fabbed in the Bible, man. Dreams get fabbed in Shakespeare's Macbeth. Dream fabbing has very deep cultural and philosophical roots, the deepest of any art form ever. Those critics just don't get us because we're too profound. Morse nodded and glanced at his watch. Yeah, you bet. Carried away by his own eloquence, Ganser was bouncing eagerly on the red leather of his cafe seat. Let's really ramp this fabule, okay? Like the old days when we were giving dreams away. Forget Pressburg's mainstream soda pop audience. I want our fabule users to feel their every cell coming into visionary sync. This new fabule can bust our users totally loose from consensus reality. How do you plan to pull that stunt off? It's cellular. It's quantum dots. It's quantum and cellular and bosonic. It's bosonic cellular quantum dottiness with ribbons on. Morse gazed down at Ganser's gnarly fabule, which sat innocently on the table like a wadded piece of bread. Yeah, those quantum dots. I love those in your hot demo here. The quantum dots were that floating pepper I saw all around the paramecium, right? That cool, crackly visual effect like Marvel Comics from a hundred years ago. Ganser was pleased. I like having chaos and dirt in my dreams. I'm like a blues man with a distorted amp. A pink tentacle touched the tablecloth. Hi, guys, said the tentacle's owner. The newbie was a handsome, bright-looking kid with olive skin and spiky hair. Aren't you Carlo Morris and Jimmy Ganser? That's James Ganser to you, Ganser said. I'm Rollo, said the kid, and this is Tigra, who was his girlfriend with the third eye. Ganser couldn't stop staring at the die. 
I'm a ribbonware hacker, said Tigra, blinking flirtatiously. Rollo and I are viral. We couldn't help but overhear you discussing your work with quantum dots, said Rollo. Back in Kentucky, I did a lot of work with quantum dots in film school. You went to film school, said Morse, wrinkling his nose. Of course I didn't study film, said the kid wide-eyed. More like ribbon theory and subdimensional bosonics. Look, Kentucky, you're talking to guys who cut their teeth on pizza troads, challenged Morse. I got a closet full of fabulous older than you. Tiger and I have been around in Hollywood for a while, said Rollo. We're underground artists. He used his writhing hot pink tentacles to set a doll-like figurine on the table. His tentacle brushed against Morse's hand. Morse jerked his hand away. You made a naked statue of your girlfriend, said Ganser, nudging the figurine. That's, uh, that's real avant-garde. It's made of pumice, snickered Rollo. Green cheese. He means it's refabulated ribbons from moon rocks, put in Tigra. The new plug-in is coded into me. I mean, into my little statue there. You guys plug that in, drop out, take off, and you'll join us. What's up with the moon, anyway? asked Morse. Psychogeographic psycho revolution, said Tigra. No more second-hand reality. We're taking control with our dreams. Ganser stared hopefully at the attractive three-eyed woman. My dreams can get pretty wild. I'd be glad to help you guys realize some wild dreams, said Tigra, batting her three eyes in rotation. I mean, the famous dream drama comedy team of Morse and Ganser? I'd do you two just for the experience. We don't do any tutoring sessions, Morse said. Do you mind? Our producer will be here any minute. Can we talk to him, said Rollo. No way. Wounded Rollo looked defiant. Well, producers aren't going to matter anymore. Not when reality hacking is finally here. Maya, the waitress, reappeared, both her arms laden with plates. She was used to defending celebrity guests, and she chased the noobs back into their booth. Maya deftly served them, served them fresh cutlery on kosher burdock leaves. Look, how could the moon transform overnight, said Morse. I'm a veteran of this business, but I don't see how that's remotely possible. I mean, I know that the fabule biz is completely unregulated, but the moon waxes and wanes all the time, said Ganser, busily dipping his spring rolls in fish sauce. Sometimes it's up there, sometimes it isn't, and the vast majority of the user base has no idea where it is. And I don't know why anyone should bother. I mean, the moon can take care of itself. The moon is the very archetype of mankind's nocturnal dream life. I always hated archetypes, nodded Morris, munching his unicorn bacon. Strip mine and other people's work. That's what I call it. Archetypes are pure theft of our collective, unconscious, pre-intellectual property. Yada yada, said Ganser. Play your tiny, sobbing violin. They ate silently for a few minutes. Eventually, Morse shoved his plate of unicorn bacon aside. My wife used to worship my dreams. I can't even get her to look at a fabule nowadays. My wife's gotten way into musicals. All singing, all dancing, a lot of bright color. There's no plausibility and no plots either. But much better set design, or so she says. I think she's having an affair with one of her clients. Over at the Stroke Center, I think our marriage is... Ganser held up a greasy finger for attention. <coughs> Franz Kafka awoke from uneasy dreams to find himself transformed into a giant 
paramecium. Okay, go for it. Then what? Then a big burst of violent action. Resolution of the inner conflict. Franz Kafka's maid walks in on him while he's single-celled. She screams. She attacks him. Who has a maid these days, man? Kafka's in a hotel. She's the hotel maid. She knocks, and she doesn't hear any answer because all that Franz the giant paramecium can do is rock back and forth in midair above the bed, wallowing and slobbering. I've been there, said Morse, coming off ownering. The maid sees the giant flying paramecium, and she freaks, continued Gonzo. An explosive return of repression. She thwacks him with a mop. Whack, whack, whack. She's an attractive woman, somewhat coarse, a motherly, sympathetic person with a sense of humor. But this paramecium beast, she blindly wants to kill it. It's befouling the room that she cleans every day. Whack, whack, whack. Franz is trying to excuse himself with his floppy paramecium slipper mouth. He's like, blah, glub, groo. The maid finds his voice menacing and incomprehensible. He's a slimy, man-sized attack zeppelin. Grumma sleeps me. That's the grand finale of a million monster movies, said Morse. The monster must be killed. Before it like multiplies, finds a job, and gets motor voter registration. Do you want to hear my pitch or don't you? Want a piece of my unicorn bacon, asked Morse. Ganser took a sample. It's good, he observed, then chewed in silence for a moment. I think the hotel maid should have sex with Franz Kafka, the flying paramecium. Oh, sure, why not, said Morse expansively. Let the giant paramecium grow suitable protuberances and manage against all odds to win his lady's favor. After all, we're talking about a fabule from Jimmy Ganser, so people's expectations are way down in the gutter. Jimmy Ganser's dreams are the sewer that the gutter drains into. I'll dream it in, and you can handle the parental guidance rating, said Ganser, reading Morse's plate for more bacon. I'm lonely, so it'll be hot. Are we done yet? Give me more plot, said Morse. Sex scenes never have plots, protested Ganser. Dreams, musicals, and porn. Three utopias of irrational gratification. But you, you want a little logic, right? Do it yourself. Fine, said Morse. I'll fab some pillow talk afterwards between the maid and the paramecium. They're lying on the bathroom floor. He's cozily blubbering to her, maybe praising the limpid beauty of her female mitochondria. I'm thinking she sees him as a friendly talking toy. But then... But then, interrupted Ganser, getting excited again, in a spasm of remorse and disgust, the maid slashes France open with, with a scythe, and his jellyflesh pours into the bathtub. No, no, into the toilet. Better. More noir. The gelatinous contents of his sack-like body pours into the whirl and stony vortex, mused Morse. I like it. But it shouldn't be a scythe. They're five feet long. I love the word of the scythe. I love the sound of the word scythe, said Ganser loftily. That primal agricultural quality, that grim reaping. Make it a sickle, says Morse. A little curved sickle, corroded but with a pink plastic handle. Something vengeful but girly. Now we've got it nailed, said Ganser, breaking into a grin. The maid flushes the toilet and she washes Franz into the sewer. He pollutes the city's water supply and everyone catches a bad case of being him. Perfect ending, said Morse, leaning back in triumph. That's a vintage move. Dreams infiltrate in real life. Every fabrist dream. We do the fade out, we play the skakin' recurrent nightmare theme song, and we leave the user with a burning urge to browse into our store and buy some antibacterial lotion. 
business model is happy. Pressburg's happy. I'm happy. You're happy. We're going to pull this off. Fine, said Ganser. We're still on top of the game, bro. At least until this ribbonware stuff brings it to a whole new level. He fondled the figure of Tigra and glanced around. Looks like our underground pair got evicted. That's great. That means that, means that the ribbonware plug-in from this... Here comes the man, said Moore, straightening. <laughs> Pressburg had entered the deli. Yockel, the floor manager, greeted him personally and effusively led the big wheel the ten steps across the red and black linoleum tiling to the booth where Morse and Ganser sat. Moore stood up and shook hands. Ganser contented himself with a hat casual, How's it going, Bobby? Scoot over, Pressburg told Ganser, seating himself beside him. Pressburg was young and whippet thin. He wore a sprayed-on layer of cotton, which showed off his gym-toned torso. So, he said, are we going to save this freaking wreck of a series? What's your game plan? I can get you guys through the next episode, said Ganser, knocking the little statue against the table, if you don't mind some uh, stylistic, stylistic innovations. Innovations aren't going to cut it, said Pressburg, shaking his head. I need something more ontological more hermeneutic. Morse groaned. Why do you always say that, Bobby? What do those words even mean? It means get off the mattress. Guy buys a dream about a car. He sees it on his driveway when he wakes. Girl buys a dream about a diamond necklace. She's wearing it in the morning. For all intents and purposes, said Morse, in her mind. Pressburg shook his head. Not when the studio gets that Chinese ribbonware, man. You get a billion dreamers, all focused on one thing. The sky's the limit, like the moon, baby. Maya, the waitress, simpered up and set down a cup of tea. The usual, Mr. Pressburg? Surprise me, said Pressburg with irritation. I mean, if you can surprise me, try real hard. Maya crossed her eyes and dramatically stuck out her tongue. Pressburg ignored her. Maya flounced off. Pressburg reached for the sexy little tigra figurine. What you got here? Ganser kept it in his hand. It's a tie-in toy, Morse lied. Can we talk about my contract, Bobby? And like I was telling you, I want to bring Jimmy in here as a, as a consultant. No more contracts for Skagen, said Pressburg flatly. We're in a paradigm shift. Best I can offer you boys is a consulting fee. No residuals, and it's up to you to know how to split it. I'll walk, said Morse. Pressburg rolled his eye. I'll float out the goddamn keyhole, ranted Morse. Working on skaking makes me feel like a grub worm paralyzed by parasitic wasps. That freaking bug metropolis has been filling my brain like maggots in a rotten piece of meat. Pressburg stopped with his cup, halfway, cup of tea halfway to his lips. Look, I'm about to eat a meal here. You screwballs want a better deal? Bring some serious action to the table. You know a lot of low-life Ganser. Get me a hot ribbonware plug-in. You sure that stuff works, said Ganser, living Morse a look, giving Morse a look. Maya the waitress slapped down a plate of twitching live shrimp. Their bodies were shelled, but their heads were still in place. You can drip Tabasco on them if they slow down kicking, Mr. Pressburg. My compliments to the chef, said Pressburg, examining the writhing mass of tortured arthropods. I was wrong to ever doubt the crew at Schwartz's. You guys are pros. Maya dimpled. Thanks a lot, Mr. Pressburg. You're a charmer. Maya, you work the noon to nine shift, right? 
Did you happen to notice the moon last night? I don't care about the moon, said Maya. Here in L.A., the sky's a solid, dreamy dome of urban glare. The moon's way out of style. Thank you, said Pressburg. You may go. Next witness, Carlo Morse. I see what you're getting at, said Morse. The moon's goddamn gone. Pressburg sampled a live, vigorously kicking shrimp. Not exactly gone, he said, his mouth full. Real different. The Chinese ribbon hackers have been dream-fabbing on it. You tell me what that means for our business. No more tides, said Morse. Oh, we'd get decent tides from the sun's gravity, I hear, said Pressburg dismissively. Think harder. He bit off the body of another shrimp. Meanwhile, you should try some of these, man. With that hot sauce, they're fantastic. Pretty soon, food will be totally free, said Ganser, intently studying his figurine of Tigra. We'll be dreaming garbage into food. The new market, said Pressburg with a quick nod. Reality is the ultimate medium to productize. If dreams become real, put in Ganser, still figuring with the figurine. Well, I'd like to be an amorphous blob. I want to fly, too. Remember flying dreams, Carlo? Nobody buys those these days. I always really wanted to fly, too, mused Morse. In my flying dreams, I'll be hovering over people and talking down to them, and they just answer back in a normal, everyday fashion. There's no panic, no corny sense of wonder about it. Hey, exclaimed Ganser. He'd managed to twist the little tigra figure's head loose. He pulled it off the little body. Attached to the head was a gleaming ribbon like a tiny sword. That's a ribbon-ware plug-in, exclaimed Pressburg. With a smooth, nimble motion, Ganser stabbed the ribbon into the side of his own head. His gut bulged out, his neck shrank, his head merged into his body. His stained sportswear burst and dropped to the floor in scraps. Ganser slumped across the table, jiggly, shiny, ciliated, magnificent, a huge paramecium with his slipper mouth agape. Pressburg jumped to his feet and screamed, a rich scream filled with vibrato and with a ragged crackle in the upper register. I can fly, blubbered Ganser. He floated off the table top and drifted toward the room's low ceiling. As if guided by fate, Maya came racing across the deli, carrying a big carving knife from the countermen. With a quick gesture, she slit Ganser open like a hog. Flying ribbonware shards tumbled out like viruses from an infected cell. Nimble as dragonflies, some of the ribbons plunged themselves into the heads of the people in the deli, and the rest of them surged out the deli door and into the early evening streets. Yakel the doorman politely ushered them outside where the populace was gently floating over their abandoned cars. Can we fly up there and get a decent dessert on the moon, said Pressburg, his voice sounding odd. He was turning into Jimmy Ganser. I mean, this all stands to reason, right? We'll find Tigra up there, too. Morse patted his old friend on the back and gazed into the lambent sky. Something was rising over the dark horizon. A cosmic jewel with its facets etched in light, slowly turning and unfolding. Dream on, said Morse. Dream on. The end.